Welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the in-season preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast series, where I'll talk with sports editors from Georgia football's upcoming opponents. This week, Abby McCreary, the sports editor of the Crimson White, joins the show to review Alabama's season so far and preview the SEC championship. Welcome back to another episode of the In-Season Preview Podcast. Today, we got a big game to preview, and I am so thankful uh, to welcome on a new guest uh, to this. Uh, we didn't speak over the summer, unlike the rest of the guests, but you know, either way, this is a, such a fun one to, to preview, and I'm absolutely pumped to have Abby McCreary on the podcast with me. Abby, usually uh, I, I start this with, with, have, with asking how everyone is, uh, and not only will I do that, but I'll ask, every, I'll ask you uh, to introduce yourself. Yeah, um, of course. Thanks for having me. First of all, Owen, I appreciate it. Um, but I'm Abby McCreary. I am the sports editor of the Crimson White, um, senior at the University of Alabama, news media major, um, all good, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously, massive game previewing. Um, these two teams have played several times in the past, um, most notably uh Back in 2021, where they faced off in the SEC Championship as well as uh, the National Championship. Um, and both games went both ways. Um, but, you know, either way, that's the past, you know, and it's been a year. They're facing off again. What has this season been like for Alabama this year? What are the ups? What are the downs? Run me through uh, what it's been like to, to cover this team this year. Yeah, so... Um... It's just been an absolute roller coaster of a year. Um, we started the year off in a quarterback battle. We didn't even know, you know, who was going to be it. Was it going to be Mil- Jalen Milrow? Was it going to be Ty Simpson? Was it going to be Tyler Buckner? Um, so we started off a bit rough with that. Um, and then, you know, had the Texas game, the at-home loss. That was a little depressing um, to say the least Um, and then we struggled on the road against USF so it was all a little bit rough Um, and we've been figuring things out and it's only been up since then Um, we had our revenge wins against Tennessee and LSU which were just phenomenal and great to see as you know someone who suffered through those losses last year Um, so yeah, and then we're just coming off of that win against Auburn, which, you know, always great to win the Iron Bowl. So it's only been up since here or since then. Yeah, I can definitely say from from kind of the outside perspective of watching this team, they've been playing really good football lately. Um, I know, I, I mean, being in Georgia, you know, we're, we're pretty close to Alabama. I've got a couple of Alabama friends myself. Um, and, and one of them was like, we're going to lose. We're going to lose all the games. Uh, we got to play. We got to go to Kentucky. You know, we got we still got Tennessee and LSU, you know. And then, of course, everyone's always scared about AM, you know, because it's so weird. But then, like, you guys handled business, and you took care of things, and the team is playing at such a high level. And a lot of that, of course, is, to, is due to quarterback Jalen Milrow. You, you talked about that quarterback battle. Um, it was kind of up in the air. No one really knew where it was going. Um, as, a, uh, as a former Notre Dame fan myself, uh, as someone that, that grew up really watching the team, I kind of knew it wouldn't be Tyler Buckner unless he made some weird jump. But... <laughs> I'll take a little bit of pride in that one, but, um, but, um, you know, it was back and forth battle, but the guy that won the job, Jalen Milrow, I think has really been playing well. And, and while this past Auburn game, 
uh, may have not been fantastic, which I'm sure that Auburn game was the first time in a while you had a, bit, a little bit of a, a, some heart palpitations going on. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Um, yeah, shout out to Gravedigger, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, 007, he and Isaiah Bond, they really pulled that together. Love that play. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I think I think that's going to be a, a favorite play for, for some time now. Um, but, you know, again, Jalen Milrow has been playing really good football. And I think that's a big testament to why this team has been playing so well. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what has Jalen Milrow been like? I know because of the quarterback battle, it was a little hard to have those preseason expectations. But, you know, from what you kind of expected of him as the quarterback, did you expect him to win the job? And, you know, since then, you know, what are your views of him as the quarterback for this football team? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, personally, my vote has always been Milrow. Um, I that's who I wanted as the starting quarterback. I thought he deserved the job. Um, I did not expect him to do nearly as well as he has, though. Um, he has definitely exceeded my expectations, and he's just really become just like a true leader on the team um and even like Nick Saban like he talks about it all the time just like how Milrow has transformed that offense and just really become a leader on and off the field um I think you know you're may not be familiar with it but like you really saw it at the USF game um just because he didn't even play but he was still in that leadership role um so yeah, he's just been incredible. Um, he's exceeded expectations, at least my expectations, big time. Um, and he's been incredible to watch play this year. Yeah, I mean, from a pure perspective of how many touchdowns he's getting on the ground, you know, I mean, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, leading the conference. He's not doing the stuff that Jane Daniels is doing necessarily in the yards perspective, but he's absolutely doing it. And how often he's getting into the end zone and you know, as we were doing our, our preview write, write-ups and stuff like that, that was the, that was the thing I was pointing to was that those 12 touchdowns was the, the amount of times he was finding the end zone as a rusher, let alone the fact that he's found the end zone 21 times as a passer. You know, he's, he's able to get the ball into the end zone. And I love that you brought up the USF game because I think that showcases how important he is for this football team. You know, Ty Simpson has shown a little bit here and there you know, he's shown the flashes of, of the guy that's kind of like when Milrow does move on, um, not this year, thankfully, you guys probably have him for another year. But, you know, when he does elect to move on, um, you got Ty Simpson back there. You feel pretty solid about him, the way the, the things he's been able to flash. But when Buckner was out there for the USF game and even when Simpson was out there, the lack of Milrow, I think, showcased, you know, why he's so important to this team, because you know, when you're struggling on the road to USF and then you bring your, your starter back and he's able to take care of things against Tennessee, he's able to lead that comeback, you know, he's able to win those close games against Arkansas and A&M and, you know, complete that pass to Isaiah Bond, you know, it's those type of things that I think really make a good quarterback and a good leader and it's why he's been playing so well, at least for, in my opinion. Yes, um, absolutely. Like, just his ability to be clutch in like the normal moments, but then also those clutch moments, like those last minute wins has just made him incredible as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you know, he's not alone on the offense. There is talent there. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily the, the, the days of Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, but there's that, but there's absolutely 
still some players on that team that that need to be recognized, including a former Bulldog leading in leading the way uh, at at receiver. But walk me through, you know, what is what is the offense surrounding Jalen Milrow, and and what do they do well, and what do they do at a high level? Yeah, so you mentioned, um, you know, Jermaine Burton. He has been incredible for us this year. Um, just really came alive with the passing game. Can I, I think he had like a really high amount of receiving yards against A&M. That's where he like really woke up, um, which was awesome to see. Um, on the ground, Roy Dell Williams has been phenomenal. Um, also, Jace McClellan, I think he may be out for this um, upcoming matchup, which is a little concerning for us. Um, but, you know, he's been incredible. The other thing, too, that I know, like, doesn't really get talked um, often about um, with the offense is the offensive line. Um, that was a mess at the beginning of the year, um, and that was really what was holding us back, I think. But the fact that that has kind of come together um, really speaks to just, like, how much our offense has improved as well. Yeah, no, it was... I remember that Texas game wondering, you know, if it was an Alabama offensive line issue or if it was just the fact that um, Texas defensive line was so good. But I was shocked at how messy that group has been. And and I still would probably put Seth McLaughlin a little bit in that still messy tier, uh, especially just the way those snaps have been kind of firing off. Um but, you know, Caden Proctor's really started to come along. And, I mean, that's kind of what you expect from a five-star tackle. Um, but he's he's really started to play well. Tyler Booker, one of those leaders on the O-line, despite being just a sophomore. Of course, we all know J.C. Latham being one of the top just tackle prospects uh, in this upcoming draft. He's fantastic. He's been kind of one of the bright spots, even amidst that kind of messiness, um, even if he struggles a little with the occasional penalty. Um but the other guy that I want to shout out uh, is Amari Nyblack. I mean, just just a reliable presence at tight end. And that's something that, you know, you when you guys brought in C.J. Dipperit, like, from, um, from the transfer portal, I was kind of expecting him to take over and take that role. But the young Nyblack just stepped in and played great. And that's someone that I noticed pretty early on that has contributed really well. And, you know, I mean, it's not a, too much of a surprise that, He's third on the team in receiving. Um, he's been really, really impressive. And, and not to mention, again, we've talked about him a lot, but Isaiah Bond has also been really, really fun. Um, you can't help but talk about him after Gravedigger, after that win against Auburn. Um, but yeah, he's been awesome. And and it's been a really interesting group. And it's good to know that like, even despite the fact that you guys lost um, one of your top guys uh, in Ja'Cory Brooks early on, that you still have been able to piece things together and 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 find uses out of guys like Jermaine and Isaiah and even getting guys like Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice, though other guys rotated in, finding success with the tight ends and actually having, you know, some success with the offensive line. It, it, it feels like the offense has actually come together in a way that it hadn't early on in the year. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it's definitely woken up. Um, it's it's been said before, but I'll say it again, like it is not the same team as it was in the beginning of the year um, in the slightest. And um, yeah, not the same team. And I do think, you know, a lot of credit is being given to Milrow, but honestly not enough. He really just has been a leader tying everyone together. So it's been great to see. Yeah, it's kind of that that 
that force that's bringing the whole team together. It, it's very much, very much the core of everything. And even if Jace McClellan doesn't play, I do actually have some confidence in Roydell Williams being able to run the ball well and, and play well. And you know, um, and then I also, I mean, Justice Haynes, I am really high on as a player. And even though he's young, even though he's learning, uh, I still think he he'll, he's got the potential to be an impact, especially in this upcoming game. But we'll get to that. Before we even get to that, we still got to talk about this defense because we've, we've, we've kind of sung the praises of the offense, but the defense all year has been impressive. And you've got a freshman leading the way from Georgia. You've got a former Bulldog on the defense itself as one of the starters, and you got a couple future first-round picks on this team as well. Walk me through this defense, some of the notable names, some of the best players, and what they do really, really well and why they're one of the best in the country. Yeah, so... Um... Caleb Downs, I'm going to, you know, throw him out there right away. Just incredibly talented dude. Like, I, yeah, he's incredible. Um, it's been amazing seeing him play. Like, we, there was all this hype um, going into this season about him, and he has definitely lived up to it. Um, I believe he's leading us in tackles, and there's just this, like, one play in, against Auburn where I think he, like, took on two guys and just, you know, handle them with no issue. Great play. Um, so Caleb Downs, you know, deserves to be talked about to the highest extent. Um, Tyrion Arnold, incredible guy. Um, I think he has come down with multiple interceptions. I'm not going to be able to give you a good stat on that, but, um, definitely up there in the NCAA with interceptions. He's been incredible. Um, so yeah, those are like the main two guys probably. Um, I'm missing a ton of people and blanking, but it's just been an incredible defense. Um, I think, what was it? Both the Tennessee and Ole Miss games is when they like really started to shine. Um, and we knew like we had a good defense. So yeah. <laughs> no, I remember that Ole Miss game. I remember it really well of how that defense was flying around. And, you know, Terry on Arnold, I mean, you said it five interceptions leading top you know top of the top of the NCAA top of the SEC he's been playing great and that's a guy that you know towards the start of the year I was like ah, I'm not sure and then just immediately you know came on and the reason he's gotten so many targets the reason he's gotten so many op opportunities to get those interceptions is because he's got one of the best corners in college football of Cooley McKinstry across from him and you know while I'm not going to talk about his abilities as a punt returner because that's that's been a disaster. Yeah, no uh, need to mention that. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't need to talk about that. Shout out to Caleb Downs uh, as the new punt returner. But Kool-Aid's been awesome as a corner. He's been like that since he was a freshman. And, you know, he's continuing to push those targets towards Terrion Arnold. And, you know, unlike a guy George is well familiar with in Dalen Everett, who's, you know, struggled a little bit with those exceeded targets uh, because Kamari Laster also been great uh, as a corner this year. But... You know, Dalen struggled a little bit with those targets. Terry and Arnold has not. He's been playing fantastic football. And then let alone, Alabama's also got one of the best just edge duos just in the country. I mean, we got Dallas Turner, considered one of the best edges in this upcoming class, let alone senior Chris Braswell, who's been also fantastic right alongside him. Both those guys have been awesome. Uh, I mean, even Malachi Moore in that star, you know, nickel role is a guy that I was really excited to see come in and, and play and you know, he was a guy I was really excited for for last draft, got hurt. Um, then we saw the rise of, uh, of, of several different players, um, let alone someone that's just balling out with the Lions right now. Um, 
but you know now Malachi Moore steps in that role. It's just there's so much talent across the board. Tresman Marshall getting the start and, and getting to play is you know fun to see from just a, a, an overall perspective, especially because he was buried on the depth chart here at Georgia. But you know overall, it's been a very very good team and just talent all over the place. I mean, we're we're going to hear Alabama called a good couple times uh, in this first round. Yes. Um, hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? If you do, you're going to have plenty to write about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, from that perspective, we've, we've got so many players to talk about. You know, we've talked about so many already that have been fantastic. But one question I have for you is, who has kind of been your favorite player to cover? Whether it's covering, watching play on the field, you know, um, talking to in, in, uh, in media availabilities and stuff like that. Who has been your favorite Again, either from a play perspective or just a personality perspective. Who's been your favorite to cover this year? Yeah, that's another good question. Um, probably either Jalen Milrow or Terion Arnold. So Milrow, you know, just fantastic guy. He um, just a great guy to talk to. He's always talking about improving. And, of course, he's been great to see grow. Um, and Terion Arnold, you know, fun to watch. But he also um, has like a good relationship with Nick Saban's wife, Miss Terry, um, that is adorable to see. I don't know if you've seen any videos of that, probably not, um, but the two are very close. Um, she constantly gives him advice, you know, before games. Um, you know, he gets like a um, post-win hug after several of the games. Um, so, you know, it's just really cute to see. Um, Miss Terry is like a saint down here. Um, so just seeing her interact with the players, especially Arnold has been a lot of fun for me to watch. Um, so those are probably my top two. That's awesome. Yeah. Th those are some of my, those are some of my favorites to talk about because like, you know, th like the fact that, you know, sometimes like obviously you get, you get your fun players, right? You get the ones that are their characters or ones that, you know, have just been fun to see get better and better as the weeks go on or, you know, the guys that maybe have dealt with injuries and then have great seasons, kind of like Tyke Smith here. Um, but then you get the ones that are just, you know, the, the the personalities, the ones that are off the wall. You know, we've only got them once, and it wasn't even during the season. But Warren Brinson, uh, I, I keep bringing him up in these because he was so much fun to talk to. And then just the overall relationships that you can come out of it. You know, uh, you'll have – I was talking to Tennessee's sports editor, and he was talking about, you know, waffle – one player recommended waffle sandwiches, and, you know, it's – from Waffle House, and it's been one of the things that, you know, it's one of his favorite moments from a press, uh, from a press conference, and just Terry and Arnold just having a relationship with Nick Saban's wife, Miss Terry, like, that's the type of stuff that's just fun, you know, and, and not, and not always the stuff that, you know, you're expecting to fall in love with, but you do, and that's, and that's what gravitates you to a player, and, and it makes it fun to cover, um, but, you know, we've sing we've sung a lot of Alabama's praises, and, you know, Unfortunately, not everybody on the team can be flawless, right? Not everybody on the team can be perfect. What is one player? Who is one player that, you know, coming into the season, you were super high on, super excited, but has kind of fallen short of your expectations and, and why so? Another good question. I'd probably say Justice Haynes, but to no fault of his own. Um, probably just because, like, you know, he came in with all this hype like we were really excited to land him and we just haven't really seen the playing time that went along with that um so probably him 
And then at the beginning of the season, also the offensive offensive line. Um, I can't shut up about that, but basically, like, you know, you had this offensive line that we expected to be big and physical and just, like, a really big deal, and then you see Jalen Milrow facing pressure the entire, like, I don't know, first half of the season, getting sacked, like, five times a game. Like, you just don't like to see that. So that was really disappointing at the beginning of the season, but those disappointments have definitely been eased um i'd say um seen a lot of improvement from that yeah and that's one of the good things that you can at least hang your hat on is that you can kind of move on with and 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 put to bed a little bit because even though again i've kind of referenced seth mclaughlin he hasn't been the best center in the world this year Uh, there were a couple moments that auburn game where that was showcased with just some poor snaps especially the one that set up that that you know that play and while everything worked out uh, I do worry that he might have gotten a lot of blame if things hadn't. Um, but, you know, uh, moving on to, to your first answer, Justice Haynes, that's a dude I, I was super high on coming into the year. That's one of the best players I've ever really seen run the football uh, at, at the high school level. And, you know, I was saying the same thing about Caleb Downs uh, when he was coming in. Um, I know, obviously, you touched him. He's leading the team in tackles. He's got two interceptions himself. He's got a putt return touchdown. He's been playing fantastic. He's lived up to the hype. You know, he was getting Minka Fitzpatrick comparisons from like some of the internal staff before he even showed up on campus. And now he now he's on campus and showcasing that talent. And Justice Haynes was kind of in that same boat, you know, another Georgia kid coming over to Alabama. And I honestly expected him to possibly be this team's leading rusher at a certain point in the year, you know, kind of taking the reins from Jace McClellan, Roy Dell, you know, showing them up a little bit. But instead, it's those two senior guys that have kind of done it. And again, you can't follow them too much. You know, they're, they're both playing very good football. But, you know, you did, I, I, I can't blame you for expecting Justice Haynes to, to come into there and, and, you know, be leading the team in rushing, mostly because I also kind of expected that. <laughs> Glad to hear my opinion is not a uh, uh, crazy one. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I, I remember at SEC Media Days, um, you know, putting our ballots in and stuff, and I saw Jace McClellan, and I'm like, you know, on one hand, I do feel like he could play well, but on the other hand, I feel like he may not even lead the team in rushing. And unfortunately, I was very off about that, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, we've talked up and down about this team, and I think we, we pivot into one of the biggest games of the season. And, you know, I don't think there's a big surprise why people are calling this, you know, maybe the first or the second playoff game of the year. Some people are even talking about this possibly being, you know, the quote-unquote national championship based on how well both of these teams are playing. Georgia's 0-3 against Alabama in these SEC championships. This is a big game for them. Alabama has an opportunity with a win to place themselves into the playoffs just like they did two years ago. There's a lot going on around this game. So let me ask you, let me pivot off to you. What do you think about this upcoming matchup against Georgia? How do these two teams match up? And what are you just overall excited for with so much going into this game? Yeah, so... I mean, you hyped it up perfectly. It's a very hyped up game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Stakes are high. It's just, it's going to be a fun game. Um, and I definitely think, you know, history is on our side with the 3-0 record. Um, but y'all definitely are, y- y'all are deserving of number one. Um, we'll say that. <laughs> so going up against num- the number one team in the nation, it's intimidating. Um, so, you know, I think y'all have the edge with that. Um, but, 
yeah, that's, you know, we definitely have the history on our side. I think we're coming off this Auburn win, like, not too, what's the word, up in the clouds, I guess. We're, like, staying focused on this game. Um, and I think, you know, from my um, perception, y'all are too. But, um, yeah, we're, I mean, the facts are we're going up against the number one team in the nation, and that's terrifying. So, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's weird because this is such a tough matchup, and, and, we'll, and we'll predict it down the line, but it's so tough to have any feel of it whatsoever. And you look, you look back at 2021, and that's kind of the first year that you thought, that people thought, you know, maybe Georgia's got a shot. You know, maybe Georgia's got a shot at this one. You know, Alabama, like they are this year, was coming off of a weird win over Auburn, double overtime, you know, especially against an Auburn team that was so hobbled and hurt. And you were like, everyone was thinking, well, Georgia, you know, they just crushed Georgia Tech, and, you know, they're going to come in, and, you know, Alabama will probably give them some fits, but then they'll still win. No, they didn't have it at all. Alabama ran that game top to bottom. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, no way Alabama's going to win this year because, you know, they, they look at the Auburn game. They just won. They barely beat that team who just lost to New Mexico State. And I, I, I'm thankful almost for that 2021 game because that's the, that's the game that is telling people, wait, hold the phone. This is deja vu. This is happening again. Obviously, that's just not the case. And I think it works a little bit easier, too, because, you know, Georgia's only coming off like a, a, a one-possession victory over Georgia Tech. It's not the dominance that you showed. And I think the biggest thing is, even with these teams having their matchups, you know, even though Alabama barely beat Arkansas, even though Georgia struggled on the road with Auburn, Alabama struggled on the road with Auburn, uh, you know, Georgia you know, had a tough time taking care of South Carolina at home. These two teams have their statement victories. These two teams, when they're playing at their highest level, they're playing some of the best football, if not the best football in college football, in my opinion. And I truly don't think that the Georgia we saw in, in Atlanta against Georgia Tech or the Alabama we saw in Auburn against Auburn, I don't think that's the two teams we're getting this weekend. And... I think if you think either way of that, if you if you having that perception perception of oh Georgia only beat Tech by possession, oh man Alabama, if not for getting getting that fourth uh, that fourth down can, uh, touchdown to to uh, from from that from Gravedigger, you know that wouldn't have happened. You know they would have lost the game. Either way, both these teams are really good, especially when playing at their top level. So trying to assume that. Either one of these games is going to dictate how this one goes, I think is foolish. <laughs> no, you're completely right. Absolutely. Um, and that it's very difficult to go off of history, like you're saying. Like, you really just have to take the teams at face value, like for who they are, what players they have, the game plan they have, um, rather than their past matchups. Because I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, it like doesn't matter. You know, because even even we see, you know, Georgia have a have a back and forth battle with uh with granted a very good Missouri team. They come out and they just demolish Ole Miss and then Tennessee the week after. You know, and then they and then it's whatever game against Georgia Tech. You know, Alabama comes out and they have this incredible comeback over Tennessee. 
and then they go on the road to Kentucky and crush them, you know. And I think it's really interesting because Georgia and Alabama's wins this year, you know, some of their most dominant wins were against the same teams, you know. Like, you know, Alabama, you know, the teams they struggled with were one of the teams being Auburn was a similar team that Georgia struggled with. And, you know, Georgia had its problems with South Carolina. Alabama had its problems with Arkansas and A&M. And, you know, they, I mean, those teams never crossed lines, but then Georgia crushes Ole Miss. They crush uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. And who does Alabama, who are some of the biggest win margins and dominant performances from Alabama? Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. It's really interesting because their wins are so similar and you can't, there's so many parallels. I mean, smart worked under Saban and so much of the staff went to Alabama. Glenn Schumann, Georgia's court defensive coordinator went to Alabama. He was an Alabama player at one point, you know, all of this is so interesting. There's so many parallels, but I wanted to ask you just genuinely, what is your opinion of this current Georgia team? There's so many parallels to point. There's so many things to point to. What is your thoughts of how this team has played this 2023 season? Yeah, so, um, like you said, the parallels are crazy. Like, just the fact of, you know, Milrow replacing Bryce Young and Beck replacing Stetson Bennett, like, it's crazy. And then our defense is really great, and your defense is, what, number nine in the country. Um, So the parallels there are nuts. Um, It's been interesting to see um, Georgia play. I will be honest, I've been preying on your guys' downfall um, for quite some time, um, but um, you guys have been fun to watch. Um, I think against that Auburn game, like Carson Beck had, what, like a 98-yard drive? Am I right on that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he, he, he took that team down. Yeah, that was fun to watch. Um, and, I mean, I've been preying on your guys' downfall, but y'all have consistently stayed at number one. I think y'all fell to number two, maybe on the first CFP ranking or poll. Um, but you guys are a number one team, and that's very obvious. Um, so it's been – I haven't really been watching many of the games, but the highlights I've seen, you guys are deserving of the number one. Yeah, it's been it's been a very interesting season. Um, and Beck, oddly enough, is coming off of his worst – you know, numbers performance necessarily. It was the first time all year he had not gone over 200 yards, which is really weird to think about um, against Tech. Uh, And that's just because, you know, the running game went for nearly 300. Um, But I think it's really interesting. And I really think, um, you know, I would agree with you. I think this has, when Georgia's at its best, like it has played at, at the number one level, it always, it hasn't always, uh, but again, I think you could say the same thing about Alabama. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's been a really interesting team. You know, we'll see who ends up being healthy for this game. If Bowers is good to go, if Lad McConkey's good to go. Either way, this is such a fun matchup, and I'm I'm so excited for it. And before we can get out of here, I gotta ask. We got, we got to get a score prediction. We got to get what you're feeling this game to be. Who wins, who loses. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this game? And truthfully, in this scenario with this game, I really don't think there's a wrong answer. Okay, that is reassuring because I am notoriously awful at score predictions. 
awful. <laughs> um, but I am, of course, going to pick Alabama to win. Um, and I'm going to go with 31-24. That's, that's the magic number. Awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I'm to my own almost, you know, better judgment it feels um, because I'm so unconfident. I am going to pick Georgia for this one just barely uh, i've got them winning 32 31 and uh and probably the closest game that georgia's going to play this year um i think this game goes either way uh i, I love we're, we're in the similar point point range you know one field goal could be the difference you know one turnover could be the difference there's so much at play in this game there it's not i i don't see it being kind of a runaway like it was in 2021 in either direction I think this one's going to be close, um, but I think it's really interesting. And, you know, before we go, I, I do think it's interesting to talk about kind of the, both of the, the possible perceptions of what could happen, you know, with this win and, and, and kind of the last thing we talk about here, um, because, you know, if Georgia wins, Georgia's keeping the number one spot is what it is. But I think the Alabama winning perspective is the most interesting here, right? Because if they win, almost assuredly they're in. But does Georgia stay in? You know, are they still a team? You know, if the scenario comes down to if Alabama wins this, what do you think kind of happens with the college football playoff going forward? That's such a great question, and I don't want to seem too confident. And, you know, because I'm not convinced that, like, an Alabama win guarantees us in. Um, Yeah, I know. Trying not to sound too confident. Um, I do feel like we still need someone else to lose, um, just because, like, do I think we should be in? Absolutely. I think an SEC team deserves to be in the CFP, um, but, you know, just with how the committee has been ranking teams so far, I'm not sure it's a guarantee. Definitely, yeah, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it, but I'm not convinced <laughs> yeah yeah i think what makes this easier is a potential texas loss to oklahoma state exactly. you know if they go down then i think alabama's in pretty much no matter what um and you know texas has almost gone down a lot of times i'm sure maybe even more than you prayed on georgia's downfall you've probably been playing praying on texas's downfall a little bit more <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you guys are no longer public enemy number one. <laughs> yeah, that week, that week two loss is definitely going to definitely going to help prey on their downfall. Um, but I know I know Texas, a Texas loss would definitely put them in. But I'm right there with you. I think an SEC team should absolutely represent uh, should be represented in the, the college football playoff. Um, and just based on how these teams have been playing alone, I think one of them should be in. I think there's going to be an argument to be made that if Alabama does win, like you're predicting, that there's an argument to be made that there should be two in there, oddly enough, again. And it's not as cut and dry as in 2021. 2021 was very much, even if Georgia loses, they're probably still in. This year, it's things got to go kind of everybody's way for things to work out. Texas has to lose. Florida State has to defeat uh, Louisville uh, without its starting quarterback. We kind of know a Pac-12 champion's getting in just based on the rankings. You know, it's it's what three and five, I believe, um, uh, for those two teams. So whoever wins that game's in, obviously. So Pac-12 teams getting in. Do we know if an ACC team's getting in? Do we know if a Big 12 team is getting in? Not necessarily. Um, if they're undefeated slash uh, one loss teams lose, then that's it. You know, and 
that would open the door for multiple uh, SEC people. But there's also an opportunity for Ohio State to get back in, just like they did last year. Um, it's very much it's very much a mix of both 2021 and 2022 in scenarios here. So we'll see what happens, but we'll also see what's going to happen tomorrow for this game. Either way, Abby, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure to talk about Georgia and Alabama football, especially previewing such a big matchup. It was so much fun. But let's close it out. Where can people find you and find your stuff? Yeah, um, first of all, thanks for having me. It was great being on here, so I appreciate it. Um, my um, Twitter is abby.mc, but you spell out dot, so D-O-T. And then um, all of my stuff is on the Crimson White. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Abby. You know, uh, obviously safe travels uh, as, as you head to Atlanta. But either way, thank you so much for joining me. I really much appreciate it. This was awesome. Of course. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me.